hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Above Average Podcast, the only refuge for the slightly above average, and I'm your host, Lake, and with me as always is my co-host, Tanum. Tanum, how you doing? What's up? Uh, it's been a while uh, since uh, we last recorded something, and uh, you know, I, I want to apologize, I, and I'll get into why I was out a little later, or I could just get into that now. But uh, I mean, you were living your life. I was living my life, but uh, uh, so I, I had some uh, family obli- obligations, and uh, I learned uh, I learned a lot about keyword living. Yeah, I learned a lot about uh, Buddhist funerals uh, over that time. Nice. But uh, so m- one of my favorite parts is um, uh, I, I don't know if it's like a Buddhist thing or a Chinese thing, and you know, everyone take it with a grain of salt that this is like you know just me witnessing things and surmising things, you know, kind of from an outsider's perspective so one of the one of the funny things is like uh, you got to like ritualistically burn money like fake money uh to uh have people like bribe their way out of hell monopoly money yeah, basically monopoly money but it's actually like someone must like manufacture it because it's got like it, it's got its own currency format and it's like the first bank of hell <laughs> and at each of the bills is like you know 10 million dollars so you know i I, I burned like fifty million dollars, which you know I hope it lasts them. Uh, Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah just because you know you I, would do that. I think that's your walking around money forever. So you, know, <laughs> you, you got to have at least fifty million dollars. Um, but uh, a funny thing, um, a funny thing I learned about it is uh, uh okay, two things. Like one, uh, so like you know, going to see uh, going to a funeral home is like cursed. So you got to have some like lucky money to like buy yourself something to like undo the curse. You got to pay a cover? No, no, no. So like the 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 family pays you to come and and they're like essentially like paying you compensation for being cursed for being like around uh you know the dead. All right. And and so like that's supposed to like offset it. And uh another thing is um you know when they close the casket you're supposed to you know like avert uh your gaze. And you know I I was just thinking like this definitely uh this definitely started as a tradition of like you know Buddhist monks being like okay everyone look away we're going to close the casket and it's like quick take the rings and <laughs> it's definitely just like a thing one buddhist monk like invented so he could like do something and it's like okay take that necklace or you know, quick throw last week's garbage into the coffin it's like a movie exactly yeah so like that that's my theory of how it developed but uh yeah no it's a it, it, it was an interesting experience but so uh anyway personal life meaning i missed uh, a lot of shit uh we never got to do our oscar debrief uh which i know everyone's sick of the oscars so you know we'll keep that keep it short but uh uh so uh did, did you see will smith uh slap him live yeah uh not live but i heard all the commotion and we didn't uh, get to see the actual version because it was uh all edited and they muted the audio but then on twitter you can see like the yeah i think it was like the uk version or the asian version that showed all of it oh yeah yeah because yeah, like in because i think in japan like you know because they're broadcasting it's not in english or Except like or it, it is in english and you know i guess they're like creating subtitles live or something like that and you know so because like not so many people speak English in Japan like they can keep the audio. So thank God for Japan. <laughs> we got to we got to see Chris Rock say like, oh, Will Smith slapped the shit out of me. But 
the whole time I was thinking, please, please, please let Will Smith win Best Actor. That's going to make things so awkward and so uncomfortable for everyone. And it's going to be beautiful. I, I more than anything. And I was giddy when he... Yeah, when they didn't eject him, I felt like... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, they say they don't know the winners in advance. Like, because, like, I don't know, Ernst & Young or one of the accounting firms, like, you know, secrets away the voting and, like... No, I'm sure some higher execs know. I'm very, I'm very conflicted on this one. Because, on the one hand, they didn't kick out Will Smith because, presumably because he won Best Actor. But on the other hand, uh, remember last year's Oscars where they, like, rearranged the whole order of things? Where they uh, did some first, like the... yeah, they, they did best actor last because they thought Chadwick Boseman was going to win for Ma Rainey, and like his family was going to give a, a like a nice speech, you, you know, talking about his life and that sort of thing. But then he didn't win, and Anthony Hopkins won, and he wasn't even there because of COVID, and you know he's like eighty something. So come on, they, like there's no way that there's no way that was planned. Like that was a shit show. <laughs> like they, I think they're just, I think they're guessing. And like this time they got it right that Will Smith was going to win. But like uh, last year they just got it wrong. Yeah. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a, uh, though the funny part is, is that means if, if like no one knows, that means that like maybe no, when, uh, remember when uh, we thought La La Land won instead of Moonlight? They got the, thing wrong yeah yeah where they got best picture wrong and like you know everyone had to like switch awards like if no one actually knows the results then they could have just never known like if if damien chazelle hadn't looked at the cards like he would have he would have just walked home with the oscar sort of good for you damien chazelle oh and uh one fun fact Ariana DeBose won Best Actress for playing Anita in West Side Story. And yeah. only two Hispanic women have ever won uh, an Os- like an acting award at the Academy Awards. And the other was Rita Moreno also for playing Anita in West Side Story, but like in the original version. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like it's like, we welcome diversity, but only if you play Anita in <laughs> in west side story that's all we want from you that's that's it so make more uh west side story movies yeah but like yeah no only only remake west side story according according to hollywood that's the only thing we reward like i, I she's definitely not the only like hispanic woman to win any oscar because like uh, i think her name is uh, castro smith won for uh encanto and uh did you see encanto no i did not Okay, so it's good. there's something there I want to talk about, but uh, so Encanto, I I just don't get the we don't talk about Bruno thing. Like it's not a bad song; it's just catchy. So, like people that songs that people just can't get out of their heads. They're usually like catchy, kind of annoying songs, like Gangnam Style or like uh, Despacito, uh, like you know that sort of thing. It's not. I don't know. It's just. It's not. Repetitive, repetitive enough to be kept. I found. What's the issue with that song? I, well, just like every every parent I uh, I work with just says like, "Oh man, we I'm so sick of the song. We don't talk about Bruno. Like, because my kid listens to it on repeat all the time. 
because my kid loves Encanto. Okay. And, you know, I listened to the song and it's like, it's, and like I said, it's not a bad song. It's just not what I expected for like an earworm song. It's not like super repetitive and catchy and annoying that like, you know, songs like that usually are. Anyway, so I saw Encanto and I have a bit of a gripe with it. Now, I I liked it overall just because like it's kind of a ripoff of the novel 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, you know, with the golden butterflies and like the small hidden Colombian village in the mountains where people have magical powers. Like that's just yeah what 100 Years of Solitude is. But uh, it has, it, it shares this common feature that started to bug me about new Disney and Pixar movies. And I don't know if this just started or it's just Turning Red and Encanto, but they both have this thing where they do a clumsy intro sequence where the characters like like talks to you and says like I'm such and such and I have these personality traits and allow me to introduce you to all of my friends in this song or intro sequence. Whereas like you know it's kind of clumsy and takes me out of it, and I I, I just think it's like, like they're not badly written overall but i think that specific part is bad writing like i'll give you an example like finding nemo has a great introduction sequence like it's not like clumsy or ham-fisted you see marlin you see like him with his wife him with his eggs and they get attacked by a barracuda so uh, and like the barracuda eats his wife and all the eggs and so immediately you know like who Marlin is, why he lives alone with his only son, and more importantly, like why he's an overprotective father because like all of his other kids and his wife died, yeah. got eaten by a predatory fish. So like, but like it it is it, it really masters like the show don't tell thing, like where you know it it shows an incident in, in his life that like sets the stage for what happens in the rest of the movie, and uh, I think up did that right like you know they do the opening montage where they show him like why he's alone and like exactly yeah so like you know that's a that's not as good i don't think but uh like finding nemo was definitely more natural and i think like did the best job like they they established the most about a character in the least amount of time in the least clumsy way so it, it, it was a uh... okay so i won't say it's a new thing because like the incredibles does it a little bit where it, you know they tell some of the story through like newsreels and they, they tell a lot of the story through newsreels and like kind of a documentary they're filming about the incredibles so like the the narrator tells you like why there's no more superheroes and you, you know why they can't come back and why they're just living boring ordinary lives so i I guess it's not a new thing but yeah that that's just annoying the annoying thing about like encanto and turning yeah you don't want them to like dumb down the story just to explain it to you well it gets things off on a bad foot you know what i mean like because i feel like it makes me under invest in the characters like if it doesn't like if the introduction doesn't come naturally like i don't care who these people are whereas like you know I care who Marlin the Clownfish is. I got emotionally invested in, like, you know, his his little family and then, like, you know, sad that his family is taken away. Whereas, like, if you just tell me, like, oh, this is Evelyn and she's super precocious and these are her dumb friends. Like, I, I don't... I don't know. I don't give a shit. Maybe I'm just an old fogey now, but like, I don't know. That's just 
how I felt. How did you feel about turning red having... Because, like, you grew up in Toronto in the 2000s. I didn't. So, was that fucking weird? It wasn't weird. It was cool to kind of see some of the landscapes and uh, landmarks and stuff. But, I don't know. People got offended. They're like, it's not Toronto or this is Toronto. It's just like, settle down. Wait, why did people get offended? Like, what, what did they say was wrong? I saw something wrong in the movie, and I'll mention that. But I want to hear what other people... Yeah, I guess it wasn't their interpretation of Toronto. Like, it was super touristy take on what we have here. Yeah, fair enough. This must be, that must be how, like, other people feel when, like, their city gets filmed. Like, people, like, there's definitely more to Sydney than the Opera House, but, like, you know, in Finding Nemo, you're only going to see, like, the Harbor Bridge and the Opera House. Right, they want to make it still pretty open, vague, so that you understand it and not go through in depth. I mean, they did cover, like, Chinatown pretty well. Yeah, yeah, true. Though they, uh, there's no, uh, there's no red panda temple in Chinatown, no. as we know, unfortunately. <laughs> Which, uh, if they pretended the Lucky Pearl restaurant, do you remember the Lucky Pearl restaurant? Yeah. Like the yellow one, like it was like it's this crazy yellow pagoda thing with a green tile roof. Uh, for those who don't know, and uh, it was just it was a really like unique and distinctive building, and it. I guess it kind of looked like a temple and it, it became like a, like a mini mall kind of thing with like clothing stores. But then they like sold the building and they demolished it to make this hideous monstrosity that just looks like it's pretending to be like made of like shipping containers. And it's so ugly. And the worst part is, is like no tenants have moved into the building at all. So like, it's just like a homeless encampment in the foyer. <laughs> and I'm so sad that they took away the Lucky Pearl restaurant from us. Like, that's... Apparently, like, there's, like, a plaque on it that said it used to be called, like, the Labor Lyceum. So I guess it was, like, a union thing before. So, like, I guess, like, you know, I guess people back in the day were probably upset that, like, they took away Labor Lyceum. Anyway, um, Turning Red, I've heard from people, was, like, a little too real in some ways. You know, my my wife is, like, you know, is... Chinese and grew up in Toronto in the 2000s so it, like that according to her it was just like this is this is too real this is too relatable I'm not like I'm I'm not doing this this really? is it was too real so didn't like it well so yeah because it's just well if you think of I personally don't like to watch uh, movies that are like too close to my own life experience like just because you know movies to me are, this is not to say like representation is important it totally is it's just like if it parallels it too much it's like it it becomes disturbing in a way or at the very least like it's no longer an escapism right i i refuse to watch like movies about like you know parents getting divorced like and but like only if they're like dramas that don't have anything extra like mrs doubtfire is like different because it has like robin williams dressing and dragon shit but like you know i don't really want to watch like boyhood or anything yeah. or like the one with adam driver where he punches the wall like that's just like as it's too much like my own childhood so i'm just not interested i guess like you know super bad I like and that's like high school kids from about when I was in high school so I don't know it, it's not like universally applicable it's it's a very je ne sais quoi but anyway there's there's one thing I nitpicked or a couple things I nitpicked about uh, 
turning red that are wrong about Toronto. Um, and a couple of things that are right. Like, do you notice they had Daisy Mart in it? Yeah. Like, have you ever had a conversation with anyone about Daisy Mart? Uh, no, but I mean, it is kind of like a, people know about it. Exactly. Exactly. But it's like, like, you know, you, that, that made people, you know, at least the friends I talked to about it, like feel like seen just cause it's like Daisy Mart is not something you've ever had a conversation about. And yet it's there. <laughs> in the movie and it's like a uniquely like toronto thing that you know no one else would know about and it's just weird and it's weird to think about because it's not something that like occupies a space in your brain but it's like special once you see it but anyway the 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 bad thing is uh they had those like you know those trash bins we have on on the street where there's like a slot for like garbage and a slot for like paper recycling and a slot for like bottles and cans. Yeah. Those did not exist in the, in the early two thousands. No one gave a shit about recycling in the early two thousands. The environment hadn't been invented yet. (laughs) So, you know, people, people just threw shit in the trash. (laughs) There were no recycling bins just on the street. That's ridiculous. Well, also, people didn't turn into bears. I don't think pandas are red pandas are bears. I think they're like raccoons. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and there's too much texting. Like, texting wasn't... T- texting wasn't a thing you did in middle school back then. Because, like, you know, it was just, like, flip phones where you had to, like, type using the numbers. It, w- it was just, like... I don't know. It was like that didn't happen until like a little later. Like it's it's almost right, but like the timeline's just like a little off on that. You know, I I get like it probably wants to be a little more relatable to kids today. So they're like, yeah, yeah, we texted back. Wasn't it set in like modern day? No, no, it was set in like 2004 or some shit or like 2003. That's why like they had like all the boy bands and like they wore jeans under dresses and, uh, you know, all the fashion was dumb. Yeah, no, it's meant to be like somewhere between like 2003 to 2006. It's like, you know, like peak tip drill America. Yeah. Back when it was like, oh yeah, we're never going to have a recession. We're just going to drive Hummers and live in McMansions and wear frosted tips and pre-recession hubris. We, we didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know. Nice. Oh, and uh, the Sky Dome, they still call the Sky Dome the Sky Dome. Yeah. Like, because it, so it's whenever, you know, it's before whenever they changed the name to the Rogers. I think they were talking about changing it back, but who knows? Which they, they should probably do that. Do you think companies like actually make money buying naming rights? Because people are like so resistant to change. Make money? No, but they just want more brand recognition. Yeah. But do you think it like, do you think it works? Because like, you, you know, like Rogers already owns like the Toronto Blue Jays or whatever. And, or wait, do they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they already own the Blue Jays. So, like, I don't, I don't know. It seems a little... And, you know, no, everyone's so resistant to calling it the Rogers Center and have been for so long that, like, I don't even know if it, like, actually helps people think about the Rogers Corporation. Yeah, I mean, they just call it the Rogers guy, though. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, the worst part is... For me, the worst part is when, like, brands rotate which stadium they have. So, like, like Scotiabank used to own the Ottawa Senators arena and now they have the naming rights to what was the acc so it's like super confusing that that was the Sco- the ottawa stadium was the scotia bank center and now the toronto one is the scotia bank arena that one like once that happened i was just like god damn it scotia bank is following me <laughs> like it was just i don't i don't know it, it 
it it means there's like there's no meaning behind it because like the names just change and they move so you know there's no like association i have with scotiabank arena because like it's two different places fuck you scotiabank for uh you're going <laughs> after my arenas trying to make me remember new names i will never remember the new names i guess i already did i think i i think i just proved them wrong <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they won. Uh, So no segue into this one, but uh, remember the Travis Scott concert? I do. Yeah, where uh, like, you know, people got trampled to death and yeah, it was like 10 people got trampled to death during a a human stampede at a Travis Travis Scott concert. Uh, My friends in the medical industry have informed me that there's like this whole trend in medical startups and like tech startups of trying to like come up with silly bullshit solutions to like human stampedes basically all they've been able to come up with is life alert bracelets that's it so yeah yeah no basically so they were explaining to me the process which was that you know maybe they thought okay let's just have like a heart rate monitor on it so that like you know if your heart rate gets like elevated or like if your heart stops then like we go after the bracelet you know there's gonna be like a a tracking device on the bracelet to show you where it is but the problem is is like you know if you just take off the bracelet like then or you just lose the bracelet then it's not monitoring your heart and they're just gonna like end up it's like oh shit there's another heart attack at the trash can again (laughs) so it's gonna create like a lot of false positives the the only real uh or, or you know your heart rate goes up because you're on drugs because yeah. you're at a Travis uh, Scott concert or something like that. But um, uh, the the other alter- the only alternative they really come up with is like, you know, you got to push the button yourself and like call the paramedics. Yeah, but people would just misuse that. Well, yeah, exactly. Like they'll, well, or they'll like bump it by accident and like call someone. But like also if they're being trampled to death, like I don't think they can call the life alert bracelet. So like, but yeah, it's just like essentially what they've invented is like a life alert bracelet for young people. It's like, hey kids, you want a life alert bracelet for when you fall and can't get up? (laughs) I don't know. I thought that was really funny. I mean, you know, human stampedes aren't funny, but like people's attempted terrible solutions to human stampedes is pretty funny. But this got me looking into uh, human stampedes are actually, or crushes as they're called, are actually, you know, super common. You know, they, you know, 10 people died at uh, the Astroworld Festival uh, crush and, you know, that's. It's it's a terrible tragedy, but like, um, if you look, at, have you ever gone to the Wikipedia page for like Hajj disasters? I have not. So the Hajj disasters are like incredible in their scale. Like a bad year, like you know, just because it's like so many people going there, it's like hundreds of people die like all the time just from like you know plane crashes, ho- like a hotel collapsed in two thousand six. And like killed seventy six people. Uh, a crane collapsed in like oh yeah yeah a crane collapsed and killed a hundred hundred people in uh, twenty fifteen. One time there was like a protest of Iranians and like the Saudi government shot like several hundred of them. But the the big one is like they because there's like millions of people at the Hajj. They have human stampedes. Yep. And so you know a bad year is like. 200 people die in stampedes in the year. And it usually happens at uh, the stoning of the devil, 
But in 2015, like 2,000 people died in like a human crush at the Hajj. And it's just like 10 people dying in at a Travis Scott concert is huge news here. But like 2,000 people dying is like barely registered. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, you know people who've gone on the Hajj. Like, do you, did they witness a stampede or... He, they did i mean my parents went and it's it's kind of crazy because it's all self kind of regulated so stampedes will happen if just one person goes nuts and like you need to get to this area quicker and then everybody else follows and then there's a lot of old people so they get trampled and there's a lot of women too wait so so you think like old like more old people go on the hajj just because like you you have to go once in your life and People are like, oh shit, I'm almost out of time. Maybe, but I mean, it's it's also really expensive. So a lot of young individuals don't have money for it. It's like twenty k just to like get a, like a package of a okay. quote unquote like guide who helps you around with travel expenses. No stuff, shit. But. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that. And I guess like you know that includes hotel expenses. But so is that twenty thousand? Is that like the premium Hajj package where like you get like a hotel room and like. They have like you know like bronze packages where you stay in a tent village. Uh, yeah, that's it's usually on the higher end, that's twenty k one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But so like it's all self like it's it's all self regulated. There's no like you know like master like cop like directing you like okay you've had enough stoning of the devil like go towards the grand mosque or I I, I don't actually know the order of it. no but I mean how do you tell a million people to go one way that's the thing like you know I feel like there must be a flaw in the way the Saudi government does this because like we have we have like big co- I know it's not like uh, on that scale but like we have like big concerts and shit all the time and you know when human stampedes happen and kill like one percent or half of one percent of the people who died in the 2015 crush it's like huge news so i feel like i don't know there there must be like something the saudi government's doing wrong in terms of like fucking crowd management because like like look at like the shanghai subway like or the tokyo subway like where like people just get like huge crowds of people just get like pushed onto the train and you know i don't think thousands of people die on their morning commute in japan every day there seems to be something amiss here that like the saudi government must be doing something like off i don't think it's the government it's just the people who have really like religious views and just want to do things for themselves because they think they're doing it for a higher power no totally but like you know i feel like it's not like the saudis doing something it's like they're in action to like you you know uh control set restrictions yeah yeah. yeah. because like and, and i feel like you know, you know, there's so like I encourage everyone to go on the Wikipedia page for you know hot incidents during the Hajj, and it's just like the death toll in the last like forty years is fucking ex- like since 1979, like thousands of people have died on the Hajj, like you know, and not just like regular like if you gather a million people in an area, like inevitably some are just gonna die of heart attacks, like that's just going to happen the death toll is like so extraordinary like really someone should be like speaking out and criticizing the saudi government's handling of it but like i feel like people don't want to criticize the saudi government because like you know you can't criticize it from within saudi arabia but also like you know presumably they manage like 
who is and as like custodians of the mosque they're presumably like they like decide who does and who doesn't get visas yeah it's a big business uh to go on the hodge yeah yeah so like you, you know they probably have this whole thing where they're like oh if you if you start shitting on how we manage it, like you're going to get like slightly less visas and you're going to like piss off your population. It's like, I'd have to explain to them yeah. why you, why this year they can't go. I feel like, yeah, there must be something, there must be something like that. But anyway, it's, that, that just feels like another example of like, you know, if something happens in America, it's like always a bigger deal than elsewhere, like yeah. something much worse happening, you know, over elsewhere. Though, you know, to be fair, uh, to the media consuming public i'm sure the saudi government really wanted to cover this up oh and apparently they did so um the official death toll of like the 2015 uh mina stampede uh is like 769 but according to like basically every other source it's like 2,000 people yeah they they definitely covered it up a little bit so you you know can't actually uh oh and this happened in the tent city uh so not uh people on the premium hajj so you know presumably like these are people with less money and therefore like there's less like 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 it's less like uh european and american muslims going on it and like because if if it happened if they died on in the stampede like i feel like there'd be you know like national outrage in like france and canada and the u.s but no americans died in the stampede so you know just kind of got ignored so yeah hajj disasters definitely something to look up interesting and weird yeah and it happens every year and it happens every year like it's the scale of it is just fucking incredible oh yeah so i i was looking up like uh, some people say like uh the hajj is the largest human migration in the world because you know it's several million people it happens annually. yeah but uh, there's kind of uh, there's kind of a dispute uh, because so it, it kind of there's also like Kumbh Mela uh, I, I don't know what, I don't know how to pronounce it but there's like a Hindu festival where you go to the Ganges River and like the Hajj is like two million people and this uh, Hindu pilgrimage the Ganges is like thirty million people but like it's hard to say whether like the Hajj counts or the Ganges pilgrimage counts because the Hajj is just going to one mosque in one city whereas like you know you, if you're just go if everyone goes to the river it's not quite the same and then you know there's also people also say like Chinese New Year's is like by and large like the largest human migration because like 300 million people travel to like see their families but it's not like people coming from one location to go to a single other location it's just like people people going from like cities in china to like rural china to see their families then by that definition like you know thanksgiving is larger than the hajj because like 50 million americans travel for thanksgiving to see their families yeah or like christmas exactly thanksgiving's actually larger than christmas in the u.s Mm. i don't know that seems ridiculous but it seems ridiculous there aren't more thanksgiving movies in america because like the only yeah. one I can think of is planes, trains, and automobiles. Speaking of which, there's no Easter movies. Have you noticed that? Like Easter is like a you know supposedly a big giant Christian holiday, but the like can you name like a single Easter movie like about like going home to your family for Easter? Mm, no, I'm sure there's like kids movies, but yeah, but there's like adult Christmas movies where you like you know have to like go to fucking. Uh, New Jersey, suburban New Jersey to meet your in-laws. 
Like there's a million movies like that. Yeah, there's there's just there's no Easter movies. And I don't really know why. <laughs> like I get like, you know, Christmas is very like heavily marketed, but oh, I guess that's just the re- I answered my own question. <laughs> there's no money to be made in Easter except by the chocolate industry. Yeah. I didn't I didn't get any chocolate for Easter this year. I'm kind of cheesed. I don't think I'm cheesed. I think I'm kind of glad cuz like I I would just spend like the next two days like oh why did i eat like two pounds of chocolate what have i done like the self-hate probably isn't worth it also like easter eggs kind of taste like shit (laughs) Uh, i don't know it's just they're not good chocolate they're they're like i don't know it's like chalky and bitter yeah it's been waiting around in a warehouse for like a year yeah true or longer like they're like oh shit longer easter was canceled last year so we're we're just we're just keeping it around it's like yep you know like i i ate like a jar of like chip dip the other day and it was expired a whole jar well i ate like half the jar in like (laughs) uh and uh and then I look, and then I looked at the label, and then it was expired, and I was like, "Oh, fuck me!" Nice, I had to finish this. Well, yeah, but that's the see. The problem is, is that I don't check the expiry dates on jarred food because I just assume it like lasts for years. So like that that jar must have been like fucking ten years old. I'm not not particularly happy about eating like a half a thing of expired chip dip. I'm not dead yet, so that's good, but I'm still not happy. But, you know, I kind of, I'm going to use this to segue because, like, you know when you, like, think you ate something bad and you're never sure if you're, like, actually sick or it's, like, a psychosomatic thing? Yep. Yeah. So, like, it's, like, uh, there's a woman in Toronto who, um, having failed to get social housing for that was accommodating to her condition, uh, opted for, like, medically assisted suicide, which, on the face of it, is fucked up. You know, medically assisted suicide is, like, one of those things where, like, it's you you don't want you you don't want it to be like the easy solution because others like other more difficult but better solutions exist so it it gets even worse because uh, have you ever heard of the condition multiple chemical sensitivity no okay so it's a controversial condition and it's basically like a wastebasket condition so when when like when doctors when you have like generalized pain in your body and uh like doctors can't pinpoint a source like they can't find like oh it's like a pinched nerve or like you know you tore this muscle or you know that sort of thing or or it's arthritis like when doctors don't know what it is they call it like fibromyalgia and so like fibromyalgia is just like so okay i i I should clarify this it's not not a real disease it's just that it's a description of symptoms. Anything that's unknown to doctors kind of gets thrown in. So it includes, yeah, you know, yet undiagnosed uh, pain conditions, but it also includes like, or would inevitably include like all psychosomatic pain. Like, have you ever watched Better Call Saul? Yeah. So you know how his brother uh, has like electricity sensitivity. So and and like it's not a real thing. Like it's a psychological condition. And we know it that because people with electricity sensitivity don't actually know when there's electromagnetic fields around. Like, you know, you you can like turn them on in secret and they don't have any increase in symptoms. It's entirely psychosomatic. Yeah, exactly. Which 
that's not to say it's not a real condition because like the like mental illness could be like incredibly debilitating and like especially when like you know uh, like a psychosomatic condition like that but it's it's just not like a physiological problem with your body and so multiple chemical sensitivities is kind of we don't it's kind of like that so we don't know to what extent multiple chemical sensitivity is just like so essentially it's like an allergy to certain chemicals or chemicals generally and it's a wastebasket disease so if they don't know what's wrong with you you have multiple chemical sensitivity you know so we don't know how much of it is like is like electricity sensitivity where you, you know it's not it, like it's not a real thing it's or it is a real thing but it's entirely psychological it's not a physiological thing and we don't know if it's just like undiagnosed allergies that we don't know about yet you know it's a it could be a real mix of things studies have shown that like a good percentage of them is probably psychosomatic because people can't tell the difference between placebos but so what that means is like potentially this woman like was able to get medically assisted suicide because she had like an untreated mental illness possibly or or she had uh like an undiagnosed allergy one of the two either way like if it's if it's an undiagnosed mental illness then like that should never have been allowed to happen because like if you have like yeah a disease that like you know your mental illness has convinced you you've had i would argue that like that definitionally makes you not of sound mind to like choose medically assisted suicide as an option like like it's so unethical that you know people chose to do this and she's dead now yeah yeah like like it's not unethical that she chose to do this but that like doctors allowed this to happen so like people are saying like this is an issue of um like people are saying this is an issue that like you know she should have had public housing and she essentially like you know killed herself because proper social programs weren't in place and like that's kind of true but like if it was a mental illness then then there wasn't a physiological solution for a problem in which case there's like another problem like either i'm not saying there's no problem but like either way there's a problem either like you know there's social forces driving people to medically assisted suicide or she just like slipped through the cracks as like a mentally ill person or a mentally unsound person who was allowed to go through with this and doctors allowed it to happen and they really shouldn't have like that's like that that's so so unethical i've come to i've come to a point where i've decided like i don't think i'm in favor of medically assisted suicide just because if it's an option for the government it means it's cheaper for them, which means like intentionally or unintentionally, they're going to drive people towards medically assisted suicide because it's go- they're going to make it the easiest option because it's cheaper. Not intentionally, but, you know, they just think, you know, it's just where funding is going to go. Customless. Exactly. It's cheaper to have like, uh, you know, 10% of disabled people, you know, choose medically assisted suicide than it is to like, you know, bump up medically uh that it is to like bump up disability benefits by like you know 20 percent, so that people are able to like live their lives well and not yeah you know see this as like the only alternative you know i get that like i get that like people who are terminally ill like shouldn't be forced to like continue living and continue suffering as far as i'm concerned if like the government like defunds something and like makes it so that like 
suicide is the easier option they've as good as murdered murderers can't like i don't yeah like so but like you end up with kind of a de facto eugenics through like economic incentive like not intentional it's just like you manufacture market forces to and you know various nudges and pressures to make this the better option you know that's that's fucked up i i'm just gonna say like anyone out there considering that option don't let the government win. They want you to do this. Don't fucking let them. Just tweet Lake and he'll convince you otherwise. Oh my god, no. Don't, don't <laughs> do that. But like I, I'm not I'm not professionally equipped to help anyone. But like y- you know, it's yeah, no, just uh, strongly encourage people to continue living to spite the government. Yeah. Because, you know, like fuck you for not funding, you know, social housing or what. Uh, so did you hear about like Disney's special district? No, what's that? Okay. So, um, so Disney is like a huge job provider in Florida, especially in like the greater Orlando area. Cause they have Disney world, right? Or Disneyland. Which, which is the one in Florida and which is the one in California? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. never mind. Not important. So one of the Disney worlds or lands is like, in uh this area in florida and disney resorts pays like almost a billion dollars in state and local taxes uh in 2021 and so they have like a special district uh called the reedy creek improvement district which is essentially like allows disney the disney corporation to function as a county government where like you know they're like I think the way they did it is like they're the only resident of this county. And so it means they're able to like, it made it easier for them to like function as a county government and provide like firefighting services, water, roads, and uh, power to like the Disneyland area. Cause like, or Disney World. Cause like Disney World's like a huge, essentially city. And so the Florida governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, is mad like real mad at uh disney for like speaking out against his his bill to like not teach about homosexuality and lgbt stuff uh in sex ed uh and like disney like you know condemned it and you know that sort of thing and like so desantis is like punishing them by removing this special district so it's one of those things where like it's kind of bullshit that a private company was allowed to like operate as a county government. So I'm glad that like they can't do that anymore. But on the other hand, like it's kind of stupid that like Ron DeSantis is doing this for like petty bullshit over his don't say gay bill. Uh, like it it feels like the right thing for the wrong reason. So it's like a very hollow victory. So, I, I mean, I, I guess it's like this, like the don't say gay bill is not good, but like Disney not being a government is also is is good. So, yeah, I, I guess that's a good thing that happened. Yeah. But still, fuck you, Ron DeSantis. Uh, so um, there's like kind of this fake news thing going around about like uh, Democrats lose their shit that that Disney loses its special status. And like they have like a video of the Florida state legislature where, uh, you know, the Democrats are like, you know, booing and jeering and, Make your uh, and they're like, oh, look at these corporate shills. But uh, <laughs> but it's fake because uh, at the same time, Ron DeSantis is also redistricting 
of Florida, which is like they're choosing the boundaries of congressional districts, which they do every 10 years. And he's doing it to like, uh, he's doing it in such a way that gerrymanders out like two black majority districts, which usually vote Democrat. So like they're mad about that because it affects their jobs. They're not mad about like, Dis- like they don't give a shit about Disneyland. Like they're, they're mad that like, you know, the, that like DeSantis is going to try and like gerrymander them out of power. So be wary of audience, be wary of like, you know, videos, you know, claiming uh, they're like shilling for Disney's special uh, administrative privileges. They're actually probably just mad about uh, like the gerrymandering. But so um, one thing I learned, you know, just while we're on the subject of state legislators. So Tanem, like how much do you think like a, a state legislator in the u.s makes like a state congressman like uh, bear in mind like I, like it would vary by state because some states are more expensive than others and like some states are super small but like a big state like texas how much do you think how much do you think a state legislator makes uh in uh in texas Sixty thousand. the annual salary of a texas state legislator is seven thousand two hundred dollars really yeah really like no shit like Seven thousand two hundred dollars, and it's uh, and that's the thing. So, like, it's partly because state legislator in most states is a part time job. Like the only st- like the only state I know of where like you're in like there's only a handful of states where like legislators are in session for like fifty two weeks a year. Like in Texas, uh, they're only like legislators are only in session for nine weeks out of the year. So you only have like nine weeks to pass, but in Utah, they're only in for six. In Montana, they're in for eight. In Kansas, they're in for 17. Louisiana, they're in for eight. Florida, they're in for eight. So like, you know, the reason shit doesn't get done on the state level is because like there's only like eight weeks to do their job. And like some states pay their legislators well, like California legislators make $100,000 a year. In Pennsylvania, they make 90. In New York, they make 100 as well. But like in lots of places, they get paid like not very much money because it's supposed to be a part-time job. In New Mexico, uh, state legislators don't get paid at all. Like their their salary is zero. And in Kansas, it's like seven, a bunch of places, it's like $7,000. So like it, this has like uh, two effects because it means like because it's not a full-time job, they can't like spend their full time like writing legislation so they like it means they like end up getting lobbyists to write legislation for them but it also means like only rich people can be legislators because like yeah you couldn't afford you can't afford to live on a fifteen thousand dollar salary like to be a georgia legislator like you just can't do yeah you gotta have money to uh support yourself no exactly and you need staff and and so like a bunch of other states like don't like Texas, I think survives. Cause like, even though they have like a, li- like a very limited amount for salary, they have um, like at least state senators have like a $41,000 uh, expense account for like staff and travel. So like, at the very least, like they have a lot of staff. So like, that's how Texas functions. Utah, like they have no budget for staff expenses. They have like 300 bucks is their annual salary. And they only they're only in le- the legislature six weeks, so the rest of the time the governor just runs shit. 
So like, you know, democracy just like doesn't like can't really function under these circumstances. And also it means like if you're doing you can't do this as like uh, as like a job because you can't afford to do it. And like it's not going to like secure your future. So what it means is like you have to like make deals with lobbyists to say like, okay, I'm going to take this shit salary for a few years, but I'm going to pass this legislation for you like to like give you oil drilling rights on such and such state land and then you're gonna like hire me as a consultant afterwards and pay me like 200k a year so like you know i know no one likes to pay politicians but like if you don't someone else will like it's a whole like paradox of of government like you think that you know oh i i don't want these crooked politicians like getting money but like if you don't pay like government employees they're way more susceptible to bribes like half the reason like the mafia flourished was because cops used to like not make very much money so it was really easy to like bribe the police and bribe judges but yeah, no. So, like, if if you live in the states, like your state government, like, just do, like makes a broke ass bitch salary. <laughs> Only rich people can be legislators, <laughs> and they're definitely like taking shit from lobbyists to like you know secure their uh, to secure their future. So you know, it's tough. Like, I make I personally make more money than like most state congressmen in the U.S. I make substantially more money than like a legislator from New Jersey. Go be lobbyist. Like not, I don't make as much as like a state legislator from California, but like shit, like that's, it's, it's amazing how few states have functioning state governments. Now you're just bragging. No, yeah, yeah. Like it, I, I am bragging. It, it feels good to be richer than like semi-powerful people that's not enough money to make laws <laughs> that's why you get all the bribes and you, uh, no, no no it's not a bribe it's way. lobbying it, it's consulting fees america doesn't have so much like bribing the cops on the side of the road or bribing state officials to like you know give you a business license and put your dudes out of business but like we do have like you know lobbying which is legal so you know that's that's good and fucked up Speaking of fuck-ups, uh, I think the la- our last topic we have here is Netflix. <laughs> Netflix really shit the bed this week, huh? Yeah, there goes their stock price. Yeah, down 35%. So uh, so what happened? What uh, you think? you think their business model is collapsing or what? No, I, just, I think just more uh, internal changes, uh, increase in pricing, and then they I think they had like a sharing uh, password fee that they introduced. Yeah, cause, so they're like gonna they're limiting the amount of passwords you can share uh i don't know if they've implemented it on canadian netflix or my family just doesn't use my netflix account (laughs) because like they haven't come to me to complain that like they're paying more. yeah exactly i actually i feel pretty good because like it used to be i mooched my parents netflix but now they mooch mine because like my uh my wife works in tv so i get to like you know steal all the benefits. exactly I have a theory on this, and it's basically that, like, if you look at uh, Netflix's direct competitors, at least in the U.S., it's like Disney Plus, Warner Brothers, and like, or HBO Max owned by Warner Brothers, and Peacock owned by Comcast. And so there's like, they have, like, there's only like four big movie studios. There's like Disney, which also owns 20th Century Fox. 
there's Warner Brothers, there's Comcast, which owns Universal, and Sony? there's Sony, which owns, yeah, Sony owns Columbia. And uh, they also own TriStar, I think. Uh, am I missing one? Um, Universal? Universal is owned by Comcast. Uh, oh, sorry. Paramount is owned by Viacom. There. Uh, or at least last I checked, they could have merged into another company. Anyway, so like Warner Brothers and Disney at the very least have like literally a hundred years of like TV and movies to fall back on as their content. And it's like, you know, like well-beloved content, like, you know, like Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse and, uh, you know, all the Disney sports movies and all the Fox TV shows like The Simpsons and uh, King of the Hill and Futurama. and Netflix's whole deal is they basically had like a limited period of time where they could like, you know, sell other studios content and at the same time build a subscriber base and like build a library of original content that people wanted to see. And they had to do this all but like build a competitive enough library to compete with Warner Brothers is like hundred years of movies like before Disney and Warner Brothers figured out their business model and got wise to it and started selling their content to the customer directly. Their time is kind of up because, you know, now Disney and Warner Brothers have decided, like, you know, to do just that and sell their content directly to the customer. And they're, they're going to, like, kind of run dry on this. You know, their other competitors, Apple Plus and Amazon, like they don't give a shit about their streaming platforms because like they have like this is just some shit they do on the side. Like their main business, like, you know, selling iPhones and like Amazon Web Service, like that's their bread and butter. Like the streaming service, like they can just subsidize with those other businesses. Plus, Amazon just bought MGM. So now they have like MGM's century of movies to like sell to us now. Yeah. So, you know, they I don't know what MGM owns besides James Bond, but the, at the very least, they have all the James Bond movies now. So, like, I think Netflix is pretty fucked. Plus Amazon now. I mean, not now, but Amazon also has uh, streaming with uh, Twitch. Oh, yeah? Like, do you think that'll make a difference? No, I'm just saying that's another revenue source for them. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But, like, is, isn't, like, all their media shit, like, and even their, like, home delivery stuff, just, like, gravy and, like, everything is paid for? by amazon web service pretty much yeah their their warehouses their bread and butter or not not even the warehouse but like the like the web service like the like all, all their like tech shit their their web hosting and stuff if you couldn't tell i don't actually know that much about tech <laughs> i don't actually know what amazon web service does but like i have heard that like that's like their number one source of money and like they don't actually make that much on like their retail stores or like their online retail, but right. and like Amazon Music and like Audible and like Amazon Prime uh, streaming, that's all just like a conspiracy of them to like own the underlying infrastructure of the economy, <laughs> and you know for Bezos to take over the world. Do you think um, Elon should buy Twitter? Uh, probably not. But like, like it just seems like it'll it, it it's a bad idea you know because you know there's all the poison pills that'll prevent him from buying it but like it just i don't know it's doesn't it seem like he has more shit to be his hobby like this just seems like 
you know, he got mad at like Twitter censorship and or being censored on Twitter. He's like, oh, you can't do this to me. I'm the richest man in the world. I'll just fucking buy you and then you'll have to do what I want. I, I don't know. That just this just feels like a power trip. Like, like, and not, like, a rational thing to do. Yeah. Can you imagine what, like, a fully uncensored Twitter would look like? It'd be interesting, but, yeah. Like, Reddit? Not like, no, not like Reddit. It would look more like 4chan. Or, like, Telegram or some shit. Or what, what's the other um, app that QAnon people use? Uh, it's called wait, Tinder. Oh, this is gonna fuck up my algorithm. You're gonna get spam ads. Okay, I'm going into private browsing uncensored twitter i think it was telegram or it was one of the other services oh parlor it was parlor parlor is the uncensored twitter that all the QAnon people go on to so anyway yeah uncensored twitter would be like parlor in that like parlor was interesting because like people who started thought like oh we're gonna create like a nice space for like american right-wing voices to like be uncensored by like the woke liberal left and shit but then like because it's uncensored it also became like a haven for like hardcore islamists to like interact which i thought was really really funny like that's like the best thing that could have happened you know twitter could just turn into like remember back when isis was first starting out and you just got like isis execution (laughs) videos on twitter and like ISIS would get into Twitter fights with the CIA. And it was like really dystopian and horrible. Yeah, so we'll just go back to that. More it'll be great. It'll, it'll be it'll be like the days of ISIS all over again. Or not. Or it'll just be like like what I think will happen is like Elon Musk seems like he's petty enough that like he won't censor shit. He won't censor most shit unless it's like personally offensive to him. He'll allow, like, most everything, but I don't think... I think he's petty enough that he can't allow himself uh, to be, like, overly criticized on Twitter. So I honestly think he might use it to, like, censor criticism of himself. Or I could be wrong. We will see. We will see. Yeah, no. So, like, yeah, Netflix just... their, Their original content, just, like, there isn't enough of it. It isn't good enough, and it isn't, like, you know, well beloved enough that people are gonna keep netflix if they don't have to i I, I don't know it's i know we used to joke at how shitty amazon prime was because and their original content because they had mozart in the jungle like francis ford coppola's kids show that literally no one watched but like amazon just or netflix just keeps canceling their shows so like no one has any reason to be like invested in it and and i'm really pissed about this because like i wanted to see more fucking mind hunters but they're not doing it (laughs) give me more mind hunters i want to see when like tension uh holding their like old men and they finally catch like the btk killer in like the 2000s but they're not letting me have it. You're right. Yeah, no, I know. It seems like the problem right now is just that, like, it's just that, like, David Fincher doesn't want to do it. But yeah, like, and Netflix does have, like, good shows, but they cancel a lot of shit. And, like, I don't think the algorithm does a good enough job recommending things. So, like, F is for Family was good, and Mike Tyson Mysteries is good, and, like, everyone liked Bojack Horseman for a bit. But, like, yeah, they, they do cancel like a lot of like like a lot of shit um so you can't really like get invested in it 
Like, there's definitely not enough on Netflix that I'm thinking, like, this is my must-have. This is my must-have streaming. Streaming. It does have Seinfeld for now. So, you know, I got to keep it for that reason. But, like, inconsistency in the library is a huge problem. Because, like... You know, you'll you'll watch like halfway through Seinfeld and then like it'll lose Seinfeld and then it'll get it back like a year later. And meanwhile, you've just like lost your place. It's not like the I think it's worse to have an inconsistent library where like, you know, movies just like disappear and aren't there like at random and it pisses people off. I think that's like worse than just than like having less content. Like, like that, the inconsistency is what irritates me more than anything. You know, Netflix, just stay consistent, please. Please. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Netflix is, is probably pretty fucked. Probably not like bankruptcy fucked, but like, it does seem like they're going to become a more minor player in, uh, in the world of streaming services. I think they're fine. No, no, like, they're going to be fine. It's just like Warner Bros. Like the big studios just have such a big library to fall back on. And, you know, already have like studios making content that people already, you know, know and watch like, you know, like Grey's Anatomy and shit. I, I don't know. I just I think I think they're not going to like go away as far as I can tell. But at the very least, it does seem like they're going to like lose out a little bit and like become a more minor player in the streaming wars. I mean, they might buy a studio. So No, they should buy a studio. But like which studio can they buy? Like, MGM was, like, the last of, like, you know, the studios they could have conceivably bought. Unless they, like, decide to buy Columbia from Sony. But I don't think that's gonna happen. Because, like, the studios are so fucking big. Oh! Oh, I just had an idea. I just had an idea. Netflix should buy... Or, actually, okay. Netflix Netflix shouldn't do this, because I don't want this to happen. But, like, if Netflix really wants to, like, make waves, they should buy A24. A24 is, like, the only, like, minor studio that I know has, like, a fan base. Like, people are like, oh, it's an A24 film. Like, that means it's going to be good. Because they make, like, weird, original, scripted, yeah, like, mid-budget shit. Like, you know, that sort of thing. Which, uh, they're making a... a, have Have you seen the trailer for the movie Memory? No. Oh, I saw... So I saw it at, uh... Uh, when I w- went to see Everything Everywhere All at Once, which you haven't seen, so I'm not going to talk about it too much, but like everyone should go watch Everything Everywhere All at Once because it's an original script and it's really funny. And it- it's like the weirdest episode of Rick and Morty I've ever seen. Nice. But uh, yeah, everyone everyone go watch that movie. Do it now. You should also go see uh, The Mitchells versus The Machines. I think it's better animated movie than Turning Red or Encanto. Is it in Toronto? Nope. Not interested. I only watch animated shows that are in Toronto now. There's only one. That's just what I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. I only watch one animated show. (laughs) And like, you know, maybe like some amateur web comics of like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. But uh, yeah. But oh yeah. So like the movie Memory, which I think is an A24 film because I thought uh, there's also a movie called Met. Like uh, there's like this horror movie and it's like really spooky and then the title is just men and i, I thought that was really funny it was like oh the worst the but worst. um i know yeah there's this movie uh called memory and it's basically like memento mixed with uh like taken it's like liam neeson is suffering like dementia memory loss 
and you know he's going after like child traffickers and i thought like this is just boomer queuing on the movie it's like oh no i forgot my medication but i remember i i need to fight the joe biden and the child traffickers i i gotta do this it's someone get my pills that that that's a funny movie and i i, I feel like i just have to go see it just because, like, it's the closest thing I'm going to get to queuing on the movie. Netflix, if they were smart, like, maybe buy A24, but I don't actually want them to buy A24. As long as, wait, is A24 already owned by I someone? I don't know. Probably. Yeah, every minor studio is... A, oh, no, A24 is a private studio. Oh, thank God. All right. Don't buy A24, Netflix, please. Please, God. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, like, yeah, they're one of the... So yeah, they're one of the, like the few independent films like outside of like, you know, the big ones like Disney, Warner Brothers, Comcast, Sony. Yeah. You know, support the independent studios, guys, because they they made like a lot of good <laughs> shit. It's like, oh shit, and they're making an Earthsea movie? What? Oh, no, I'm excited. Earthsea is the book that like J.K. Rowling allegedly like ripped off to make Harry Potter. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently A24 is making a movie out of it. And, you know. They, they listen to us. It's all fucking coming together, man. It's all coming together. We we now have influence over the media. I'm, I'm kidding. We don't. <laughs> Still. So yeah, the streaming wars will continue. I will probably continue to subscribe to everything just because I can right now. Because as long as my wife still has a job in TV and gets all that shit for free, I'll I'll be okay. <laughs> the rest of you will not be okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, thanks everyone for tuning in. Find us on all your podcast platforms. Check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and obviously on YouTube. See you guys next time. All right, see you guys.